Welcome to the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, an archive of Robert Lewis's sermons while at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following podcast is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. As you listen to it, we hope it will give you both personal encouragement and spiritual inspiration to live better as a man. Well, today we're going to do something very significant. And uh, that is we are going today to face head on the father wound. And we're going to do that proactively from two different directions. Uh, First, for those of us who are fathers, we're going to face the father wound as fathers. And I say that because as we look at the father wound, we're going to ask the question, how can I avoid inflicting a wound like we've been talking about on my son's? Or, how can I make up for the wound that I've already inflicted on my son? Maybe you've been feeling that. There are a lot of men who come through men's fraternity, and when they come through men's fraternity, they start hearing about these wounds, and they start thinking about their past and their relationship with their sons, and they begin to kind of long for some recovery in that regard. Those are two significant questions that we want to address here today. And then from the angle as sons... We need to address how do I speak to the wound in my own life from my dad and how do I get healing there? We call it facing the father wound and that's what we want to do. Whatever form that is, today we want to address how to step into that wound and take it on head on. So this morning we want to look in both of those directions, both as fathers and as sons as we face this father wound. Now, First thing I want to do is just summarize where we are at the moment. Look at your outline on letter A. As you know, we are in the process of seeking to make sense of why we are the way we are. And as I've told you, most men don't grasp the power of the past. They've never unpacked that baggage. Remember when we had that suitcase up here, we said, you know, A lot of guys walk around with a suitcase that they've never unpacked, and there's incredible power in that suitcase. And how well they open that suitcase and deal with the things that are in there, how well they do that has a significant impact on the kind of man that they will become. And every man needs to unpack and look in that suitcase and say say to themselves, "What, what does this stuff mean in here for me? right now as a man. It's so important for each of us to do that. Remember Plato's maxim, the unexamined life is not worth living. So we're in the process of seeking to make sense of why we are the way we are. I want you to know each of us has a story to tell. And we need to tell that story out loud to some other men. Now, we've done that in part in our small group, but I want you to know it's important for you to go even further in that, to talk with other men about your story so they can help you and you can help yourself by telling it out loud to connect the dots between your past, your present, and your future. I don't know if you've ever done that in a lengthy kind of way, but I've had the opportunity several times to sit with a small group of men, I call them safe men, And we took the time, and you can take the time, whether it's on a fishing trip or just a retreat of some kind or just carving out a day in your schedule, but where we sat around and just told our story. 
And it's amazing what comes out when you have an opportunity, not being time bound, just to tell your story from the time you were a small kid all the way to where you are now. Because you find yourself expressing things that actually surprise you. And then as you do so, other men interact with you and you begin to say, uh, well, that's why I did what I did. And that's why I am the way I am. Everybody has a story. And everybody needs to tell their story to some other men. And what we're going to find out is that, number two, each of us, to some degree, is a product of the past. Some of it is good, and it makes life easy for, easier for us right now. Some of it is not so good. Some of it may be even bad, and it makes life harder for us. It'll make life harder for you today because of some of the things that you've experienced in your past. And the point is, is that each of us in some ways is controlled by the past until we consciously and willfully choose to break that control. Listen, if you don't understand your background, you are probably doomed to keep repeating the patterns that were formed there. Now I have good news for you today though. And that good news is, is that, it, that if you understand the past and with that understanding, you can break those bad forces that are over your life and that hold you back from the quest for authentic manhood that we've been talking about the last five weeks. Look at letter B. We are exploring the first of five major wounds in life that shape us. And of course, the first of those wounds is the absent father wound. And last week I gave you a definition of that wound. Let me give it to you again, just as a reminder. Here's what we said the absent father wound was. We said it was an ongoing emotional, social, or spiritual deficit that's ordinarily met in a healthy relationship with dad that now must be overcome by other means. Now when I say deficit, I mean a whole that dad needed to fill. And when dad didn't feel it, for whatever reason, what goes into that hole is things like anger and resentment and blame and excuses and a host of other problems fills that vacuum. Finally, look at letter C. This wound is being inflicted upon sons today at epidemic levels. Last week I told you that 40% of all the children in America today are growing up at some point in their lives in fatherless families. Lance Morrow, who is a writer for Time Magazine, put it this way. He said, the damage caused by a father's absence may be severe and may last a lifetime. It is a shadow. The longing of, son the longing of sons for their fathers is almost physical something passionate, profound. It is often mysterious to sons what it is they want from their fathers, but I have seen it in other men, and I see it in my sons. They're longing for me. That is so true. Dad is either a bright spot in a son's life or he's a shadow. Good or bad, right or wrong, empowering or disempowering based on his presence or absence. 
in a son's life. You know, the Bible sees that too, the importance of fathers with their children. When you come to the last verse in the Old Testament, it makes a prophecy, a prophecy that won't be fulfilled as the Old Testament closes for 400 years. And it's a prophecy concerning a renewal of spirituality in the nation of Israel brought on first by the coming of John the Baptist and then Jesus himself. And John the Baptist, it says, will come and he'll begin to stir the hearts of the people of Israel and a revival will break forth. And then the verse, the last verse of the Old Testament speaks to that revival and the Old Testament closes. Now, if you were going to put a verse in to speak of a revival in Israel 400 years later, what would you put in the last verse that would demonstrate a revival? There's a lot of things you could put in there. You could say that people would begin to be more regular in their worship attendance. They would give more to others. Uh, their marriages would be healed. The moral climate of the nation would be raised. Those are things that you could think of when you think of a revival spreading out in a nation. But as the Old Testament closes and as, and as Malachi prophesies, that this prophet is going to come and break forth a spiritual revival. He says, here's how you'll know revival is in the land. Malachi 4.6. Look at it on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, and he, that is John the Baptist, will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's how you'll know there's revival in the land. There'll be a reconciliation between children and their dads. And if there's not, if that doesn't occur, I'm going to come and smite the land with a curse. 40% fatherlessness in America is a sign of a curse. So how do you deal with the father wound? I want to give what I call eight proactive remedies now that we've discussed this father wound for the last few weeks for us as men. Three of those are going to be for dads with their sons. And five of them are going to be for sons with their dads. Here's the first one. First, if you're a dad, make sure your son has the essentials. Make sure your son has the essentials. There's two things that your son should not leave home without. You need to make sure he has certain things in his life and you need to make sure he hears certain things from you as a dad. The three things that you need to make sure he hears are these. First of all, the words, I love you. He needs to have that kind of affection from you. Not just the physical touch, but he needs to hear from you, dad, specifically from your mouth, I love you. Secondly, he needs to hear from you, I'm proud of you. He needs admiration. He needs to know that he stands tall in your eyes. And then thirdly, he needs to hear that he's good. You need to say, son, you're good. I noticed you. And what I'm noticing in you are your strengths. And I can name those strengths. Now I say that because so many dads kind of uh, assume their son's strengths and what they notice are their weaknesses. And they point them out and they name them. 
Let me tell you, one of the hardest things I have to do as a dad is when my son plays an athletic contest, and he may have played great, but if you're like me as a dad and he walks off the field, what is the first thing you, you're tempted to tell him? You know, if, if you'd have gotten a little more on the outside on that sweep, you could have made that tackle. See, what we want to notice are the weaknesses and assume the strengths. What your son needs from you is for you to notice his strengths and name them. Not too many months ago, I did a father-son retreat. And one of the things that we just kind of did spontaneously on this father-son retreat is that we had the dads during breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we'd select a couple of dads to do this, to just stand up in the midst of that community of men who were eating together with their sons. And just for a few minutes, we asked them to do these three things. To look their son in the eye, introduce him to the audience, introduce their son, and then say, son, I want you to know I love you. And I'm proud of you. And here's what you're good at. Now, that seems like a simple thing, doesn't it? And those dads stood up and, you know, I was just assuming it would take just a couple of minutes for him to do that. And the dad would start talking. And all of a sudden, tears would come to his eyes and he would hug his son and tell him how much he loved him. And the son, you could just see almost the son growing in that moment. And I was proud of him. And then he would start talking about his schoolwork and how hard he worked and the grades he made and his loyalty to his friends. And he just began to, to extol his son's virtues. And other dads would be weeping in the audience. But I'm telling you, it was some of the greatest moments I've ever experienced to see dads in that community affirm their sons along these three specific lines. And let me tell you, when the day comes that your son's about to drive off either into the workforce or to college, the thing he ought to drive off with as he drives away is a sense that he's been loved, he's been affirmed, and he knows what he's good at. Don't let your son leave home without him. Then there's three things I think you need to make sure your son has. First, he needs a manhood vision. And you know, we're going to be talking about that in the second half of Men's Fraternity that vision for manhood, what that definition is and how to get into that definition and scale that summit to get on top of that mountain called manhood. And he needs a manhood ceremony that seals it. And you're probably saying, what do you mean by manhood ceremony? Well, we'll talk more about that in the second half of men's fraternity. But every son doesn't just need to be told he's a man. He needs to have an experience with dad and really hopefully a community of other men where he is invited into the community of manhood. And he knows on this day, I became a man. And the community recognized me for that. Now that's a ceremony, and we'll talk about how to do those ceremonies in the second half of men's fraternity, but he needs a manhood vision. Secondly, you need to make sure he has a code of conduct to live by. Primarily that you live by. He needs to see in you honesty, and hard work, and keeping your word, and loyalty, and purity, and chivalry. And you as a dad need to think, what are the, what are the uh, codes of conduct? What's the moral code of my home that I am going to exhibit that I want to be sure my son has? The only way he'll have them is if you live them. And you can name them. 
And then finally, he needs a transcendent cause, something to live for other than himself. And you're the one who helps instill in him that larger vision. See, so often a son growing up can become the whole focus of a dad's life, and he can become self-centered. But one of the things that dad needs to deposit in his son's life is, son, life is not just about you. There's something much bigger than you in this world. To me, it's a, a spiritual cause. And he needs to be introduced into that spiritual cause by you as a dad. Now, I'll say more about this in the second half, these last three things, because they're probably a little more puzzling to you, but that's what the second half of Men's Fraternity is all about. But I do want to mention at this point, I put a lot of the flesh on those bones in this book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. And since a large number of you are not, for, not from our church, I just want to mention to you that I wrote this book off of a session that we'll do in men's fraternity later on in the spring. But this speaks to a transcendent cause, a code of conduct, and a manhood vision, and helping you as a dad raise your son to be a modern-day knight. So I wanted to mention that to you. So, first of all, as a dad, look at the screen for just a moment. Make sure... Your son has these essentials. Make sure he has them. Secondly, if you're a dad, I want you to know it's never too late to close the gap with your son, no matter how old. Often when I, uh, I give a talk like this or we speak to the manhood wounds and especially the absent father wound, I'll have several older dads who will grab me in the hallway or on the stairway as I'm leaving and they'll say, you know, kind of in a remorseful tone, man, I wish I'd have heard this earlier. My son's gone now. He's in the workforce. If I'd have known these things, there, there are so many things that I regret. And you can just almost feel a sense of guilt hanging over the guy's life. If you're a dad in the audience here today and you're feeling some of that as we've been talking the last few weeks, I want to take that burden off of you. Okay, you made some mistakes. Maybe there are some things you didn't know. And that's all right. You don't need to beat yourself up for that. You need to focus here on this principle. It's never too late to close the gap with your son. No matter how old you are. Any dad can do that. And it's amazing what just a few things can do. Years ago, in a similar men's fraternity, I had a 60-year-old man come up to me after the talk, and he, he was really grieving because he felt like because of some marital difficulties in his home and because of uh, his work schedule as a lawyer that really his son was probably suffering from that absent dad wound. And we talked about it right over here in the corner. And he told me his son was uh, finishing up his residency in medical school. And he just had a longing to reconnect. And I said to him, I said, well, why can't you do that? Oh, I'm just too old. I've missed it. I said, no, you haven't missed it. You need to reconnect with your son. You need to go and sit down, spend a day with him, and just tell him what you've been learning here. Share your regrets. Share your heart. Reaffirm your commitment to him. Tell him that you love him. Reach across the table and grab his hand and say, Son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. 
And it was amazing. He kind of backed up for a moment. He said, you mean I can do that? Sure you can do it. So he went and met with his son that day and spent the whole day with him. At supper that night, he reaffirmed his commitment to him, told him how much he loved him. But specifically at this point in his life, as he was finishing up his residency as a physician, how proud he was of him. And he got on the plane to fly home. And as he flew home, this young man got on the phone and called mom. And here's what he said. Mom, I got to spend a day with dad. And it was the finest day of my life. Let me tell you, the gap between father and son in that one moment went from this to this. Just because dad was willing to take the initiative and do the kind of things that he always needed to do and because of a son's hunger for dad, he is so forgiving. And men, if you feel some of that, I want you to know your son hungers to forgive you and hungers to be close to you. If you'll just take the initiative to close that breach. Third, if you're a single dad or if you're a dad separated from your son by divorce or if you're a dad who has inherited a son through remarriage and you have a blended family, here's my word for you. Seek help and a sound strategy. Now, why do I say that? Because in many ways, you as a father are in what I call uncharted waters. <laughs> I know divorce in some ways is epidemic today and we have a lot of blended families happening today, but that's still uncharted waters where people are still trying to figure out what all that means. And, and unfortunately, what I find is there's a lot more myths out there than there are facts. And so you got the dad who's thinking he can divorce mom and go on and says, and then he'll say to himself, oh, it'll take a year or so. My kids will get over it. Or he inherits a blended family and he thinks, well, I'll just love this young man like I love my other sons. Everything will be okay. Or I'll make up on, I'll make up all the loss my son's experiencing on weekends. We'll just do a lot of things together. I know we can't be together but on weekends, but we'll make it up. And you may be feeling that, but for some of you who are a little further down in the journey into that, you may also be feeling that doesn't work. Those, those, those things you just said aren't true, and they're not. There's a lot more myths out there than facts. So what do you do if you've inherited a family, a blended family, or you're like some of the dads who've already talked to me here in the audience and said, what do I do with my son because I don't see him very regularly? I can't. I don't have access to him. What do you do in those moments? Here's a couple of things that I would recommend to you. You just write this down. Read, read, read. That's my first principle. You go, what are you talking about? There are some great books, and I wish I could recommend some of them to you today, but there's more coming out all the time. And... And so I would just simply say, you do the investigation yourself. You go to a local bookstore. Uh, you talk to uh, people who 
um, have degrees in this particular area and ask them for some of the finest books on the blended family or the finest books on the divorced family or what dad can do and out of reading and, I, and, and see, listen guys, the reason I'm telling you this is because guys don't read. But if you are one of these dads I just mentioned, you have to read. You need a book where you can read it and educate yourself the same way you are by being a part of men's fraternity and out of that develop a sound strategy of how to deal with my son or my inherited son. That's so very important. You may feel even uncomfortable after you read. You may have questions. Listen, the best $100 you could put down is to find out who the best counselor in town is and put $100 down and say, I want an hour of your time. And here's what I'm learning. And I'm, I'm a dad who's suffered a divorce and I don't have access much to my son. What do I do so that I won't injure my son further? And how can I make up some of the gap here because of that? Or better still, I've inherited a son in a blended family. How do I work this young man into our family so that he feels comfortable? And I can, I can undo some of the things maybe that have inflicted pain over his life. A counselor and read, read, read and develop a sound strategy. You know, the scripture says in a multitude of counselors, there is victory. And you can get a number of those counselors through books and you can get some of them by just simply making an appointment. But if you're a dad here, that is the initiative I want to put within you is that you develop that sound strategy and that you seek help. So those are three things that I would offer to you as dads for your sons. Now, let's turn the coin over and go, well, what about if I'm a son? How do I deal with the father wound from my perspective with my dad? Here's what I would say. This would be number four. If you're a son wounded by dad, choose to touch this wound responsibly. The easy way is to touch it irresponsibly, to bury the pain or to blame dad or to play the victim or to act out with destructive behaviors that you don't understand but whose roots go back to your home. The better way is to do what I think is the most important thing to do, and that is to act responsibly towards them. And you go, well, how do you act responsibly towards the absent father wound? I think you have two choices. Here's the first one. You can choose to forgive your dad. I want you to look at a verse of scripture that's always intrigued me. Hebrews chapter 12. And here's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. Look it up on the screen. He's comparing God as our father with our earthly fathers in this particular text. But he says, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, that is God, disciplines us for our good. Now see that line in the middle? As seemed best to them. I paused there one day and thought a lot about that verse. And what just kind of occurred to me by way of application that I want to apply to you guys is there may be a very small percentage of fathers who are just evil. And we'll talk about them in a moment. But I would say most dads, your dad, my dad, 
didn't get up every morning thinking this. Now let me think of how I can just screw my son up. He had problems, he had difficulties, and those difficulties hurt me and hurt you perhaps. But he didn't get up and walk through the day thinking, how can I just kick him between the legs and make him hurt some more? How can I wound him? How can I really mess him up for a lifetime so he's struggling because of me for the rest of his life? Do you think your dad ever thought that? Now, there may be a real small percentage who do. And God help you. We'll talk about that. But for most of us, the problem for our dad was not that they were malicious. But they were dealing with their own unpacked luggage. And all of a sudden, we realized they weren't the hero we thought they were. They were just men with clay feet just like us. And the older we get, the more we realize how difficult it is to be a dad, right? And if we've got stuff that we're still struggling with, we can get so preoccupied with that and our work and other things that just by the force of all of that, we become hurtful dads, but we never, ever intended to do that. You don't think my dad that I've told you about wishes that he could have been more connected to me? I know he would have. And one day I got in touch with that. I was on a retreat in Colorado one day. And uh, part of that day I started thinking about my dad, just thinking about what were the good things I experienced with my dad. And there were a lot of good things, as I've told you about. But one of the things that hit me in that moment, because I was still struggling with anger in that, but one of the things that hit me in that moment was I began to think of all the things that I wish me and my dad could have done that we didn't get to do. And, and this may sound strange to you guys, but I think that was the first time I ever thought those thoughts about what we missed. Not what he did, but what we missed. That's a whole different thought pattern. And suddenly when I started thinking about all the things that I wish we'd had more of or we could have done, for the first time, I told you I didn't feel a lot when I was a young man, except anger. But for the first time, these big old tears came to my eyes which kind of surprised me because I'm not a weepy type at all. And then the more I thought about it, the more the tears began to just flood down my face. And I began to find myself kind of banging the table, not in anger anymore, but in grief over what I missed and what I, he missed and what we missed together. And I know he didn't want to miss those things. And then something magical happened. In the midst of those tears, I forgave my dad. Because I realized he never, ever intended to do the things that actually happened in our home. And you know, men, you'll never be free from the past until you can let dad go. Until you can forgive him and realize he was just a man. You wanted him to be your hero. But he was just a man with his own stuff. Now, I also mentioned, though, there may be a few of you who said, no, you don't know my dad. My dad was evil. 
And you know, to be real honest, because I believe in evil, there probably are some guys out there who just chose, even in the face of a family, to do evil to them. And if that's the few of you, then you have another choice. It's not so much to forgive your dad, but just simply to release your dad to God's ultimate justice. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay. I want you to know we live in a moral universe, and though justice will not be wrapped up in this life, what the Bible promises from Genesis to Revelation is that there will be justice. You can count on that. And so, if there have been hurts inflicted upon you that were hurts of evil, you know, it's time to just let that go and not try to get even because there will be a time for justice. So release your dad to God's justice. So, if you're a son wounded by dad, choose to touch this wound responsibly. Fifth, if you're a son wounded by dad, courageously seek reconciliation with your father. If you're a son wounded by dad, courageously seek reconciliation with your father. Guys, look up here for just a moment. If you're a son and you feel a separation from your dad, your dad's not going to come to you. This is, this is you stepping up to manhood. If you want reconciliation, you need to go to dad. And in going to dad, you're going to find something change in you. Suddenly, you're going to be stepping up into manhood and you're going to feel that <clears throat> as you approach your father and try to heal the breach that you feel in your relationship. Now, there may be separation between you and dad that springs from dad's relational shortcomings. And if there's that, then don't let that stop you. Because sometimes dad just doesn't know how to do it. Maybe you had the experience of calling your dad when you were in college. I had this experience, but I found out it's a common experience. You, 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 you're a son, you're away for the first time, you're at college, you pick up the phone, you want to call family and just hear from them, and you call, and my dad answers the phone. And I say, Dad, this is Robert, and here's what he said. Uh, okay, let me get your mother. See, you've had that experience. And you know what you need to do is you need to call home and your dad will answer the phone and say, Dad, this is Robert. Let me get your mother. No, 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 Dad. I want to talk to you. Do you get it? You. Stay on the phone. I had a uh, young man in men's fraternity who wanted that kind of relationship with his dad. He, his dad just was real aloof. He called his dad and said, Dad, I want to spend a weekend with you. I'm going to drive up to Cincinnati and spend a weekend with you. His dad said, I, I, I can't do that. I'm too busy. He said, no, Dad, I want to spend a weekend with you. When can you do it? Next week? No, I'm busy. How about the following? No, I'm busy. And he just stayed in there. He refused to back down until his dad finally said, 
son, you really want to visit with me, don't you? He said, Dad, I just want a weekend, just you and me. And so he drove up to Cincinnati. He planned out a few things for his dad. They got in the car and they drove around and he started asking his dad all these special questions about them and about what he felt and what it was like for him growing up and all that. And at the end of that time, his dad did something magical. He reached over and put his arm around his son and said, son, I want to thank you for this. This has been incredible. But you know, for Tim to do that, it took all the guts he had because he was walking right into the father wound to heal that breach. But that's how real manhood finally springs forth from a son. There may be separation between you and your dad that springs from some past conflict and you need to clean it up. You know, there are a lot of sons who've said hurtful things to their dads or their dads have said hurtful things to them. And they don't know what to do with that. They still continue and they kind of bury that and go on with the relationship, but there's that, there's that hurt that's still there. Remember Ken Canfield talking about what he said to his dad when he was a teenager before he left home. He, his dad was trying to help him think through where he was going to go with his life. And Ken turned to his dad and said, you're just a dumb factory worker. How would you know? His dad had given his whole life to go into the factory to take care of his family and just crushed his dad's spirit. Now they continued on with their relationship, but that hurt just lingered there. Some of you have said things to your dad that just put hurt there or a conflict. Maybe you had a fight. It's never been reconciled. Ken said years later, he was with his dad and they were driving down the road and it was just quiet in the cab of the truck. He turned and looked at his dad and he said, Dad, do you remember years ago when I called you a dumb factory worker? And his dad began to cry. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm proud of you. There's those kind of hurtful moments. You need to repair those. Take the initiative to do that. That's walking into the father wound. Okay, number six. If you're a son wounded by dad, risk asking for your father's love. There are some of you in the room who you would say to me after the session, you know, I've never heard my dad say, I love you. And that's important. I want to hear that, okay? If you want to hear it, put on the chin strap and go ask him. Go ask him. I remember Gordon Dalby talking about a young man named Peter who had that same problem. And he said, call your dad or go see your dad and just ask him. And so he went to his dad and he said, dad, do you love me? And the dad looked at him and said, Son, you know, I, I love all my children. And he grabbed his dad's cheeks and he said, No, Dad, do you love me? That's what he needed to hear. And his dad finally said, Son, I do. I love you. That's what I needed to hear. 
And listen, guys, if you need to hear that from your dad, go ask him. Now, I know he may have shortcomings in his own life. He may have difficulty expressing that. He may not be able to even say it, but something will be healed in you just by asking the question. Because rather than being just a son, you've stepped up to being a man. And that's the key to authentic manhood. Seventh, if you're a son wounded by dad, risk asking for your father's blessing. Some of you have never gotten a blessing from dad. He's never really kind of given you that ultimate affirmation where what you're doing with your life or the way you're doing it, that there's something about it that he could put his hand on you and say, son, I am so excited about you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm, I'm excited for you. And, 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 and there's, there's been that vacuum there that's hurt you. Maybe you went a different way than he wanted you to go. And so you've always wondered how he's felt about you in that regard. I had a, a young man in men's fraternity who came to me and told me that uh, his dad had a family business and he was the only son of three other sons that decided to break with the family business. And because he was the oldest son, there was a lot of static and, 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 and issues between him and his dad over him leaving the family business and striking out on his own. He wanted to be a physician. And his dad chided him for that and made him feel guilty for that as he was being disloyal for leaving this family company and going doing the things that he wanted to do. And so he left not feeling a blessing, but feeling a hurt from his dad. Lunch, and we talked about it one day. We were sitting there over lunch, and, and this just shows how deep it is. This prominent surgeon sat there and never ate his salad. He just cried into it. Because more than anything else, he wanted to have his dad's blessing over his life. Now, his dad lived in Houston, Texas. And I said, listen, I said, you know what you ought to do? You ought to call the hospital and cancel your appointments and go out and buy a plane ticket on Southwest and get down there and ask your dad for a blessing. And he did it. And his dad struggled with it. But about a month later, he called me on the phone and he said, can we go out and have lunch again? I want to share with you a letter that dad sent me. Here's the letter. I want to read it to you. Here's what he said. Dear Tom, I love you more than you will ever know. I am so proud of you, your brilliant mind, your tenacity, your tender, loving heart, your determination to go the second, third, or many more miles as it takes to make a good marriage. You have a godlike love that never gives up. And Tom, I want you to look into my heart today. Wherever I go in this world, my heart fills with pride when I say, my son is a doctor, a surgeon. He helps save lives every day. Tom, I want you to know I have felt pain and hurt in my lifetime. The pain of depression. The pain of, at one point, having no hope, not even having any food. The pain of being a dropout from high school with no one who seemed to care for me. The pain of going to college with no money and no letters and no help. 
But the deepest pain I have ever felt was when I hurt you with stupid, foolish words. Oh, how I have wept when I think how I hurt you, my beloved son. I weep even now as I write this. Please, please erase those words. They were not from my heart. Please forgive from your heart and think of me as not only your daddy, but your best friend and supporter. I know you have forgiven me, but I wanted you to hear my heart cry, only the guilty need mercy. Tom, I remember when I saw you and held you and loved you. When you were a little boy in bed one night, you were scared and you said, Daddy, are you awake? And I said, yes, Tom, I'm awake. And you said in a few minutes, Daddy, is your face turned towards me? And I said, yes, it is. And a frightened little boy went to sleep. Tom, I want you to know that my face is still turned towards you and will never be turned away. Sleep well, my son. Your old daddy will always love you and help you. Now let me tell you, was that a blessing or what? And you know, every young man longs to have that from his father. But if you don't have it, then maybe what you need to do is get up and go ask for it. That's real manhood. Then lastly, if you're a son wounded by dad, you can reclaim the relationship you missed as a son by becoming a good dad to your children. You know, for the most part, that's what I've had to do. To not repeat my family history that I grew up in, I had to make a choice sometime in my life. And that choice was that I was going to live in a way with my, father, with my children the way my dad had not lived with me. And I was going to ask for help, and I was going to read books, and I was going to step up to authentic manhood and go ask for my dad's blessing and do all the rest. Everything that I've told you, in some degree, I've done. And the question is, has it been worth it? Has it been worth it? You better believe it has. Because of all the experiences that I missed as a son, I reclaimed as a dad. My dad never said a spiritual word to me. I've been on my knees with my sons in prayer. My dad was at ball games, but he was always back in that rambler, sitting way back from the practice field or way up in the last row of the stands. I've been on the practice field. I've been his coach. I've watched him run out on the field and give him high fives. I've run out after the game and lifted him up in victory. We've fished. We've hunted. We've cried together. I'll be at his wedding. But I get to do all the things as a dad that I missed as a son. And it'll be worth it. That's what you have the opportunity to do. And that's how you walk into this absent father wound. Now I want to close with a poem. It's a poem that I saw one day in a book and I thought, gosh, that just reminds me so much of the past and where I am right now. And the poem's title was My Father's Chair. And you've probably been wondering what this chair is on the stage. 
This was my dad's chair. And at 308 South Bonner in Ruston, Louisiana, I used to see him come home from the insurance agency every night and sit in this chair. And the dog would jump up in his lap, kind of curl up, and he'd start watching the nightly news, and sometimes he'd fall asleep, and sometimes he'd just watch TV until it was time to go to bed. There were times he was inebriated, and he would come and sit in his chair. His eyes would roll back in his head, and he'd fall asleep. And this chair kind of became a symbol for what I missed. And it sits in our house. I rarely sit in it, but it sits in our house. But it reminds me, because I have my own chair. And then I saw this poem, and I thought, you know, this poem says what I felt about this chair and my chair. Here's what it says. Sometimes at night, and this is speaking of the past, I'd lie awake, longing inside for my father's embrace, wishing as hard as I possibly can for my dad to be more than the invisible man. It's so hard for a child to live life all alone, waiting for dad to wake up in his home. My father's chair sat in an empty room. My father's chair covered with sheets of gloom. My father's chair, through all the years and all the tears, I cried in vain, but no one was there in my father's chair. But you know, there's another chair in our house, and this is verse 2. Sometimes at night I sit all alone, drifting asleep in a chair of my own. Now when sweet, sleepy eyes peer down the hall, frightened by dreams that they cannot recall, I personally hold them close and calming their fears, praying that they will always say, my father's chair sits in the loving room. My father's chair, no matter what I do. My father's chair, through all the years and all the tears, I need not fear because love is always there in my father's chair. You know what time it is, men? It's time to face the father wound. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Robert Lewis Sermon Podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please rate and review this podcast. In addition, share this with your friends and community. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about the team at soundofarose.com.